Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. Yes, Carlson. welcome everybody to the second part of the Kiki Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast for today, October 23rd. It's a Sunday and we are discussing all of the excitement from the last week of fantasy hockey action and, and regular hockey. Of course, I'm your host, Elon Dabrowski. I'm here with Brian Com, and we have covered a bunch of injuries and now we're going to get to happier news here. So let's dive right into it, Brian, and talk about a couple of in- outjuries that haven't happened yet. Like soon to be outjuries, players that are going to be back soon, starting with Brad Marchand over on Boston. He's been practicing with the Bruins. He's going to obviously get right to the you know top line and top power play. I'd imagine with Bergeron and DeBrusque. It's been Pavel Zaka playing with Bergeron and DeBrusque. So probably people who have been streaming in Zaka, it's going to probably be time to say goodbye. Like, thank you for your service. He's done kind of okay. I don't think they're going to be breaking up the Krejci Hall-Pasternak line. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't know what there is to say here. Like, Brad Marshall is someone I was worried about because Fluto Shinzawa concerned me when I interviewed with him, talking about that hip surgery and how it's, like, pretty serious and a sim- surgery similar to the one that Tuka Rask had. Uh, so we'll see if Marshall is the same as before. But he's, like a beast, right? Like he probably will be super fine and everyone who got him later in their drafts is going to be so excited. So I don't know what there is to say here, but just like get hype for Brad Marchand coming up and Boston's already been so good. That's the scary thing. Like, so this team, a lot of people were maybe saying that this, you know, they're getting older, like it's not going to work out for them this year. McAvoy's injured, Marchand's injured, but I don't know. The band's going to be back together pretty soon. Marchand's going to join, by the way, superstar David Pasternak, 10 points in six games. Very exciting to see Pasternak getting back to being this like hundred point guy that he was before those two previous, you know, quote unquote down years where he's only in the eighties. And then also I'll throw out another player. Let's just, let's just drool over the Bruins because I don't really have a question for you. But like David Krejci, here's the question. How much are we buying into David Krejci's seven points in six games to start the season? He had two assists versus Minnesota, including one on the OT power play game winning goal from Taylor Hall. So yeah, all these guys on the top. We've Ben and Lewis have talked about Jake DeBrusque and how amazing he's been. So I just feel like this Boston top six is just you want everyone. And they're all amazing. And it's going to be just good times forever unless you give me a reason to be a little bit concerned. There are a lot of good times to be had. Like forever, of course, is a is a big promise. But David Pasternak, I believe in him forever this season. He has five or more shots in each of the six games he's played. He's hit eight shots twice. That's nuts. And Pasternak has four goals in six games. And for anybody who's done that so far, we'd be like, okay, yeah, four goals in six games. That can't last. That's a 55-goal pace. We don't really believe in it. But... I believe in what David Pasternak's doing because he's shooting 11% because he's taking so many shots on goal. And that's actually the low end of his career shooting percentage numbers. And he has no power play goals yet either. I love everything about this for David Pasternak. And I think his hat is officially in the ring for the race to the Rocket Richard trophy this season. I think he is uh, he's a front runner right now with the volume he's putting on net. And the the raw talent, it's going to be pretty hard to stop him. And one of those reasons is because he has David Krejci by his side, who's doing well. Krejci has been involved in every single goal scored while he's on the ice at 5-on-5. He himself has scored twice on 10 shots. So both of these numbers are unsustainable, but it could still be a great year for David Krejci if he gets to feed Pasternak 
all year long, which I think he will. I think that's why he's back in Boston. Um, the thing to watch with Krejci is we'll see once Marchand is back whether he, Hall, or Jake DeBrusque get to be the fourth forward on the top power play because Krejci has been... Uh, successful on the power play so far this year three power play points in six games that's floating Krejci's numbers right now so losing top power play production is going to bring Krejci's numbers back down to earth but I still expect full season fantasy relevance on a great second line quote-unquote second line with David Pasternak who again five or more shots every night Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess K-Towny's pointing out in the chat here that the Bruins have been going five forwards on the power play on and off. So maybe Krejci can't stay for a little while, but then McAvoy will come back. And then obviously McAvoy is going to be quarterbacking it. So uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. And yeah, there's not, but here's an, an interesting situation in Boston. The one, I guess, negative that you, I could even think of is Jeremy Swayman has been kind of bad. Well, actually really bad. He had three goals against versus Arizona. Then he sat for a bit. Then he had six goals against versus Ottawa. Now he's sat again. Like Allmark has played five games and has been amazing. Swayman's played two. I think we may be in a situation where Allmark has emerged, at least for now, as the starting goalie on the team with Swayman, the Yaroslav Halak to Allmark's just Jorkin, right? Like uh, Allmark's been amazing. In five games, he has four wins at 929 save percentage. By the way, no losses. So I guess one of those games, uh, I'd imagine Swayman got pulled. I don't know, but like, uh, yeah, it's just uh, Swayman's a snoozer, snoozer, I think, right? Like, it's time to tell people to drop Jeremy Swayman if you have him, unless it's like a keeper, like whatever dynasty, and you're thinking of the future. But for this year, at least in the short term, I just don't see why they'll just not keep running with Allmark, who's been so good. And a lot of people were big on Swayman, like taking the job this year, right? That's how he was drafted this year. You know what this reminds me of? This is like last year with Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. Yeah, that's a really great comparison. Swayman was drafted 146th on average in the cupful this season. Allmark was drafted on average 230th. So it's a, a huge gap, and it looks like the wrong guy is is taking the lead here. Elon, I really love that comparison. I don't think he could do much better than that. Swayman's been god-awful. There's no way around it. His expected Fenwick save percentage is 937. His actual Fenwick save percentage, 881. Yikes. Whereas Linus Allmark isn't doing anything spectacular, but he is uh, he's playing, well, close enough to his expected number. He's still below it. And actually, the Bruins are giving him... Uh, for what it's worth. These are small sample sizes, but he's seeing really, really great protection while he's on the ice, more so than Swayman. Maybe Boston thought they could leave Swayman alone a bit more and do their thing. When Allmark's in the net, they know they need to tighten up. Well, now they need to tighten up for for both of them. But this is a, a, a great point, Elon. If anybody is resting on the laurels of what they thought Jeremy Swayman was going to do this season, reevaluate, because right now he is... I don't even know he's 1B. He's number two. I think I think we're going to see the pendulum shift, shift as always through the season. But right now, it is decidedly leaning towards Linus Allmark. Yeah, uh, Andy S here in the chat is saying, I think Swayman gets the next game. Allmark was shaky. So like, obviously, Swayman's going to get some starts. And like how these things go when it's not like a clear number one, like Shesterk and Halak, is like if Swayman has a good next game and Allmark has one bad game, ne- next thing you know, we could be having a conversation on the podcast. We go, oh, things have changed. Oh, my God. So we're saying what's happened right now. You could probably safely drop Swayman. But yeah, be ready to grab him for a spot start, maybe the next time he plays. And then if he has a good game, maybe we could go from there. But for now, yeah, so far, uh, it's very clear what's been going on. Uh, the other outdoor that's coming soon is Patrick Laine, who got injured in the first game of the season, but he's already been skating, and apparently he's going to be back in early February for these games overseas. I didn't even know that we were still doing that, but apparently there's two two more games happening overseas. Was it in Finland? Anyway, I don't know. Brian, Did you, you look- say early February? 
Sorry, did I say February? You because said early February. What's the next month? We're in October. So <laughs> the November. next month is November. Yeah, so it's soon. Okay, Lina's going to be back soon. Uh, so that means that should hopefully be good for Zach Wierenski, by the way, Brian, who we talked about before as someone who was struggling a little bit, uh, or at least, you know, the underlying numbers suggest that he should be doing better. Another thing that will help Wierenski do better is to have Lina back on the top power play, I'd assume. That'll also hopefully be good for Gajor. Like Obviously, it's good for everyone, right? He's Patrick Lina. The only person he'll be bad for is, I guess, Gustav Nyquist, who maybe, if you want to stream him in for one or two more games, uh, he's in a good spot playing with Jenner and Goudreau but like Zaka don't expect that to last much longer and I'm excited as someone who drafted Line and is 0-2 in the cupful now uh, I definitely would like to have him back ASAP also one more name I'll just throw out there because we have a uh, patron Norm who is related to our good friend Nick Blankenberg so we got well I guess Norm is the good friend Nick Blankenberg I've never personally met I've never met Norm either but I feel like I have because we chat so much on the discord but let's mention this guy Blankenberg who was really quiet today for Columbus so obviously he's not a sure thing to even be in the lineup every day but when he is there he had some huge games like if you're in a bangers league Blankenberg had like five shot five hits and four shots versus Vancouver uh, had a huge game versus Nashville a goal and assist two shots two hits two blocks he had like two shots three hits two blocks versus pittsburgh so anyway this is a guy you know I, we're not going to mention nick blankenberg every show but he's someone that i'm kind of interested in if you need a stream and you need a defenseman make sure that he's actually in the lineup maybe like wait for the practice lines to come through well but he here's the here's the yeah here's the thing Elon. i think he's going to be in the lineup the rest of the way like that's the vibe i'm getting and if you were sort of waiting to add your third or fourth defenseman via free agency blankenberg is a really good candidate at the moment except for the fact he left today's game injured but i like him he couldn't get into the lineup he had a bad camp but after his first game uh brad larson was like well i can't take him out now it's really rare you see blankenberg go uh, or anyone go from healthy scratch to playing 20 minutes a night on the top pair but there you go blankenberg's done it i don't think there's looking back and while he's there you can look for peripherals and occasional points because he's playing with Wierenski and he's going to be on the ice with a healthy liney eventually when Goudreau and Jenner. I think he's a he's a nice sort of like a throwback to like Alec Martinez at one point or Alex Goligoski. You know, one of these thirty five, hopefully point players. Uh, maybe so, maybe a little less uh, production from Blankenberg than those guys, but steady peripheral contributions. I like him as a depth defenseman. Yeah, well, hey, I guess now that I'm getting this update, I didn't realize this. He was involved in an awkward collision earlier in the game, appears to have injured his left arm, Aaron Portsline said. Uh, He attempted to play through the injury, but ultimately left the game. So hopefully it's not serious. And maybe now's a good opportunity if you have an extra ad at the the end of the week, if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, at some point, stash him in your IR. And then when he comes back, you can, uh, you know, it's almost like a a free tryout. So interesting stuff. And uh, yeah, good luck to Blankenberg, I guess. I I hope he's okay. All right, let's uh, talk about a guy, not an outjury, but someone who got called up. It's kind of like an outjury, right? He wasn't on the team, then he was. Nick Robertson on Toronto, okay? He had two goals and four shots versus Dallas in his first game, playing on that line with Tavares and Nylander. So a very good spot. Uh, Then in the next game versus Winnipeg, nothing. So this is what's tricky. And that's why we need to do this show to help people because it's like some people probably streamed in Nick Robertson after seeing that big game and thought, oh, I got it. I got a big hit. And then he does absolutely nothing the next game. So how long of a leash do you give someone a high pedigree guy who was drafted in the first round playing on a good line? I wouldn't drop him now. I don't think you're going to say to drop him now, but like how many pointless, like with Verhaggy, right? Like how many pointless games in a row? Let's just, let's just decide it now so that we don't have to like keep on talking about it later and have people asking like how many pointless games would you need to see from Robertson before you say, okay, I guess I'm going to move on to the next guy. A couple more. I think I, I would let him, he's been pointless once. I'll let him be pointless again. And then I'll start 
getting concerned, but I really like his underlying numbers so far. Like the shots he's taken are strong and dangerous and the shots he's taking are also plentiful given the time on ice that he's seeing. So he he's doing really well um, in the early goings. Uh, also Toronto, uh, you know, hasn't, scored a ton with him. He hasn't been on the ice much, but he hasn't been on the ice for, for many goals, which might be a reason for them to, to move him aside. Um, so I, I'd give him a little more time. I'm trying to avoid, I added him uh, just as he was being called up. And I'm trying to avoid the situation like I had last year with Jesse Pugliarvi, where I'm like, this guy's really good. He just needs the opportunity. And then he couldn't consistently get the opportunity. And when he did, he couldn't always make the most of it. Um, so Robertson could, could be a drop for some of you out there. I just have really intense FOMO. And uh, Pugliarvi was my FOMO guy last year, and it didn't end well for me. And Robertson is my FOMO guy this year. And I'm trying not to make the same mistake again. So I'll, I'll keep you posted when I'm ready to drop him. But my answer in the cupful is I'm going to give him another game. All right. And who knows? Maybe this is going to be a big hit, right? You also don't want to do the opposite. And like, I remember last year, was it you or someone like you were saying that you had Lucas Raymond and then you dropped him? Like, you know, like people were into him and then he had a couple bad games and then you dropped him or maybe you had the option to add him and then you didn't. And then obviously then he went off and had a really good rookie season. Does that strike a, strike a chord with you? Does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. So yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to have had Robertson drop him because he has one bad game and then all of a sudden he turns out to have a great season. So he's definitely someone that we'll have to watch and see. Uh, also someone in Toronto doing really well right now is Ilya Samsonov. Uh, he's 4-0, 938 save percentage. I feel like if we were redrafting leagues right now, he'd go as like a top 10 goalie. I'd imagine. I guess you could have that small concern that, oh, Matt Murray might come back at some point and challenge. Come on. We'll see. Maybe Matt Murray comes back at some point for a game or two. But like at this point, Samsonov, he was such a high pedigree guy. He really, like, Toronto got a steal here. I don't know. Maybe Washington wasn't a good fit. Like, Darcy Camper's not doing that amazingly this year. I don't know. I'm very excited about Samsonov. I wish I drafted him. So dumb. This is another one of these things. It's like I had the idea, I think. Like, eh, it might be a smart idea to draft Samson off because Murray's probably going to get injured. But everyone was talking about Matt Murray and how if he was on, Lewis made his like wish list on short shifts. Of, like, I'm wishing for a Matt Murray healthy season. It's like, okay, I could see it. Maybe, maybe a new situation. I don't know. The air is different. The water is different. Four hour drive away. <laughs> but uh, no, Samsonov is amazing. And I don't think he's someone you're going to be dropping all season long. And I don't think you should sell high. Like, I think that this is a guy you want to ride. What do you think? I also wouldn't sell high on Samsonov, but I also, I don't think it's over, Elon. But again, this is another case where the guy we didn't expect, Samsonov, is getting uh, to have a real good run here. He was drafted on average 50 spots after Matt Murray in the cupful. And one thing we should keep in mind, Elon, before saying, well, it's over, Matt Murray might play a game or two, uh, but it's Samsonov's net. This has easily been the best showing of Samsonov's career. I skimmed his career's games log, and from my quick glance, I might have missed something, but from... The glance I did take, only in January 2020 had Ilya Samsonov ever put up four great starts in a row. And aside from that, you were lucky to even see two great starts in a row. Um, So I guess what this means to me is as if you have limited IR spots and you're holding on to Matt Murray, I think this means you can just let him go and you don't need to have dibs on him until you see Samsonov starting to falter again, which is possible because he has a really long track record. Well, his only track record is essentially of being inconsistent. It's not that long. I mean, we see that maybe Samsonov is showing he still has a shot at reaching the upside he came to North America with. And in that case, the contest could be over by the time Matt Murray's healthy. So let's wait and see. But yeah, I feel um, terrible for not having Samsonov on my roster. It seems easy. It seems like we all should have done it. 
Yeah. Well, I guess you can't all do it in one league unless you have one of those box pools where you just all check off the players that you want. Uh, okay, so let's go to some cold streaks now. I guess we've got about a half an hour left in the show. So I want to rhyme off a bunch of cold streaks and a bunch of hot streaks. And Brian, you could give the typical sustainable or fleeting here. This is an old thing we do on Keeping Carlson. Like, is this something that you think is going to continue? Or is there some underlying numbers to suggest that now nah, this won't last? Either the coldness will end or the hotness will end. So let's start with some cold ones, though. Thatcher Demko. So we're talking about Ilya Samsonov, who I think would go top 10. I wonder how far Demko would fall if we were to redo drafts right now because Vancouver is bad. They are 0-4-2. They just lost to Buffalo 5-1. Demko has no wins, of course. He has an 8.58 save percentage. Uh, is it like the kind of thing where just this team is bad and Demko's not going to be able to you know, get out of this and he's going to end up being like a rough hold kind of like Bobrovsky in his first year in Florida or is this the kind of situation like oh man this is your chance to get like a stud what we put him like tier two in Schmore goalies board yuck okay but uh I don't know he's definitely probably going to be able to be acquired from some other team that's probably really frustrated right now yeah yeah, definitely, probably. Thatcher Demko is available to you, and I think you, you should take a look. Oh, the thing with Demko is he's basically playing exactly at his expected number for save percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. The thing is that we used to see him play like 70 basis points above that expected number the last two seasons, and we're also used to seeing Demko get better protection than he has so far this year. Like, uh, it's terrible in Vancouver right now. Elon, I feel like... I'm sure every Canucks fan feels this is deja vu last year. Do you remember how on fire in a bad way Vancouver was to begin the season? Yeah. Um, and Pedersen de- wasn't doing anything. Now this year, Pedersen's doing well to start the year, but they yeah. still stink. And it's like you're in this black hole that you can't get out of. And and for the time last year, Demko had six wins in his first 17 outings and a 904 save percentage, which is, you know, just a little bit below respectable. But then the rest of the way, Demko had a 919 and 127 of his remaining 47 appearances. So ups and downs along the way, of course. But I just wonder if we're we're in the black hole phase of the Vancouver season. If we, you know, the way we expect Fiala to wait three months to start producing, should we expect the same from Vancouver now? Like they've been terrible. They mm-hmm. they they're like I I don't even know. Here, can I throw another couple cold streaks at you just so you could talk about it all together? Because like. Well, I just wanted yeah. to bring up also, sorry, I'll just do it just to, just to move things okay. along. But JT Miller, pointless in three games. People yeah. are wondering about him, I'm sure. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, someone everyone's super excited about. He's pointless in three. So yeah, just, when you're talking okay. about how terrible Vancouver is, I'm curious yeah. just to know in general, how worried should we be about all these guys? Fair. So on Demko, I would buy low and assume that Vancouver is going to crawl out of this at some point. It might take some time. Uh, but Vancouver is not the worst team in the league this year, especially in like defensive protection. They're bottom third, but they're not the worst. So I'd give it a go with Demko because he can do well, even uh, against really difficult workloads. So I, I'm okay with that. JT Miller, I'm actually not holding my breath for. It seems ugly with the quotes coming out. Um, like JT Miller was like, I've been on the ice for eight goals against. This can't keep happening. And everyone's like, yeah, JT, it, it can't keep happening. Like, he, <laughs> you answered your own question. Well, Demko and, has a bad shooting percentage or save percentage. He's probably throwing shade at Demko. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, but basi- but Miller has himself to blame, too, for not scoring. His his own expected goals numbers are basically in line with what we'd expect, uh, like a below average offensive defenseman. Like, it's bad. He's, he's barely doing anything. So he doesn't seem motivated out there either. He seems mad. I don't know. This seems like a moody guy. I would try and get out from under. Like, he could absolutely bounce back, but it's going to be a really stressful few weeks 
until he does, which I, I think he's too good to be held down this season. He'll get going. Things will go all right. Uh, but you don't have much leverage if you have Miller right now. Kuzmenko, you mentioned, you know, like wh- what lines he on. I don't know, Elon. The lines of Vancouver are so shaken up. Uh, I don't even know that they're shaken up anymore. They've been changed so many times. I don't actually have an expectation. I think, I think he's been with Patterson. That's the frustrating thing if you have Kuzmenko because Patterson's having a decent season, at least offensively. And Kuzmenko's been with Patterson. He's been on the top power play, but just yeah, not producing. He's taking some shots. I'm trying to. I have Kuzmenko in one of my leagues. I'm trying to decide: am I holding on to this guy, or like I've got lots of exciting free well, agents? Yeah, well, now he's definitely not with anyone, right? Amon and Garland are his line mates. Although Bruce Boudreaux said after Pedersen, Amon or Hughes one night, Amon was their best player. So maybe this is good for, I don't know, like, it's bad. Bo Horvat, I just saw a quote scroll past my screen on Twitter where he was like, you know, we've been here before. We've been in a rebuild forever. I just don't feel like we're ever going to win again. Like, he said this. It's ugly. Hmm. It's real. So sorry again, Canucks fans. We, uh. We feel you. We hear you. And, uh, well, we don't really hear you because you're not really okay, screaming yeah. that loud. <laughs> okay. yeah, sorry, I didn't see. Like, I was just looking at the previous game lines. But, yeah, on uh, game day tweets, I'm seeing, yeah. So, Miller, Horvat, Mikhaev, yeah. Coles and Pedersen, Hoaglander. And what are these Mayfield. lines? Uh, no Besser at practice. So, maybe Besser takes Amon's spot. I don't know. Who's Amon? Do we know who this is? Is that a real player? <laughs> Does anyone know Amon's first name? <laughs> but, okay, that's probably Besser's uh, Nils. spot. Nils. Nils. Okay. Anyway, yeah. yeah, maybe I will drop Kuzmeko. I still have one more ad drop this week. There's some free agents. You know, I'm going to ask you about some people. Maybe I'll... I think there's a chance. I'll say I think there's a chance everyone on Vancouver gets going. I think it's going to be a painful go. I, I feel like they're not at rock bottom yet. Okay, so another guy who was drafted probably even higher, yeah, definitely higher than Demko and Kuzmeko, maybe even higher than Miller in leagues, is Roman Yosi, who's done nothing. One assist in seven games. Pointless in five now. So that's a... That's a tough one, right? To swallow if you drafted him as like your top defenseman in like the second round of your league. Yosi does this, by the way, uh, maybe not to this extent, but he had like an amazing year. Then he went down. Then last year was amazing again. And so maybe it made sense that we were going to expect a down year. But yeah, what's going on there? And like actually Annette in Nashville also, you see Saros, not as bad as Demko, but yeah, he had that one good game versus San Jose overseas in Prague. And then since then, he's led in four, four, and then three and three goals against in his next few games. So Saros like Demko, really not living up to, uh, you know, like I feel like at this point, maybe people are like, oh, I should just wait and draft Ilya Samsonov, but obviously you can't go back in time. Or I should have drafted Linus Olmark. That's why predicting goalies is so hard. But yeah, what do you think about Yosi and Saros so far? So I will say just on a team level, like Philip Forsberg has, what, four points in seven games. You know, he's only scored twice this season, which isn't great. Uh, Matt Duchesne also not doing that great. Also four points in seven games. Yosi, as you mentioned, Nashville's only scored 16 times in seven games played. And they're also like, this is almost like the San Jose situation. They're two for 29 on the power play, which Elon, I wonder if Nashville and San Jose starting the season abroad and like out of rhythm and then coming back and trying to get in rhythm. I wonder if it's affected them all a little bit. Maybe this is a theory that's worth floating since they're both struggling in similar ways to score goals and keep up with other teams. Um, Yosi's minutes are down. I don't know, if, again, whether we should read into that with such a small sample size. They're down about a minute and a half at five on five. So I just watched to make sure that's not going to continue. I don't see why it would, but keep an eye on it. Uh, the one thing I do like about Yosi is he has 31 shots in seven games. So he's trying, all right? He's doing the work. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to say this is going to be one of Yosi's down years right now. I think I'm just going to hold on and wait for for Nashville to start scoring. And then I'll panic if Yosi isn't getting in on it or if Nashville continues to not score. But I think 
there's some regression coming that's going to help everybody on the team collect some more points. And UC Saros is he's playing below his expected numbers at five on five, which is rare for him. He's also not getting any goal support, as I mentioned. And Nashville leads the league in power play opportunities given to their opponent which obviously stresses Saros and his workload. So I would, uh, I w- what can you do about these guys? They're two studs. You drafted them early. All you can do is wait and see. I wouldn't give them away for pennies on the dollar either. I would, I would grit through it. Uh, let's just put it this way. I think Yossi and Saros are going to d- be doing better before Demko, Miller, and Kuzmenko are. Fair enough. Yeah, I feel like Roman Yosi is probably the guy I'm most excited to try to buy right now. Like, I think if you're the type of person that likes to like throw out trade offers, go send some trade offers for Roman Yosi. He's taking more shots than, like you said, more shots than he ever has in his career. So, uh, and even if he does have a down year, a down year for Roman Yosi is like, I don't know, what, 55 point defenseman, which is still good. And if that's the floor and the ceiling is like 70 or 90, like he's done in those good years. Uh, yeah, he's definitely someone I would go after. We have a question in the chat here from Adam. Thoughts on Forsberg in Nashville. So what's he up to? I mean, with so f- with uh, like Nashville barely scoring, it's probably a good thing. Like Forsberg's not doing so bad. Four points in seven games. He got an assist in that last game versus Philly. Scored a goal against LA. I don't know. Brian, are you worried about Philip Forsberg? No, not especially. I think we're just on track for the season that we kind of expected he'd have and not the one we wished and dreamed he'd have, which would have been a repeat of last season's 100-point pace. I mean, he's taken three shots a night. That's good. He's scoring on 10% of them. That's good. I think the thing that's not going well for him is, like I said, the same thing that's going not well for everyone in Nashville is that goals, like pucks, are not going in the net. His line is shooting uh, less than 7%, 6.5% while he's on the ice. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time before that changes and Forsberg's points come back so he can be at least that 70-point player Hopefully a little more. Right, yeah. I mean, I think Joel put it best here in the chat. Forsberg will do better than he's done so far, but will do significantly worse than last season, which is basically what you said, Brian. So uh, another defenseman that's been bumming us out is Evan Bouchard. Only one assist in five games. He hasn't gotten the top power play like people thought maybe he would. It's been Tyson Barry. I think you said we talked about this on the Patreon cast. You said the power play is doing well, so there's no reason why Barry should get bumped. So how long should people hold Evan Bouchard? Uh, especially if you're in a one-year league. Who's the other person I was saying, like maybe you keep him in keeper leagues, but otherwise maybe it's time to move on. But I'll try to find out who that was. But yeah, I just am a little bit concerned that Evan Bouchard is not someone you need to hold all year. All right, Elon. Well, you have Evan Bouchard on uh, on one of your teams in the league we're in together. Mm-hmm. Would would you accept? I have a trade to propose to you okay. for Evan Bouchard. Don't forget, would this you... is a keeper league, right? And my team stinks, so yeah. I might be thinking not only about this year, but thinking about the future. But okay, let's hear it. Okay, well that 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 sort of and I, shows and I also, your hand. And I also have a co manager who I so yeah. I can't make it. I can't make no, no. The we're deal. Not, you're not going to accept it. We both have co managers that okay. we need to. Let's hear it. We both both named John. We both have brothers named Joel and co managers named John. <laughs> Um, how about Kevin Hayes for Evan Bouchard? Come on. Come All right. Get out of here. Okay. Uh, uh, Jeff Skinner? No, he's not even doing well. <laughs> no, he's not. But he might. He might do better. I, I thought These Kevin are bad Hayes offers. Was... Is this how you play? Is this what the kind of offers you throw at people? Uh, okay. These are actually like, we had a lot of early draft picks this year and I don't have anyone else that's like an appropriate. Okay. So I thought Kevin Hayes would be decent. I thought you might. You might be in, but as a keeper, for sure. Like, I see why you would keep Bouchard. I always forget that this is a lot of good centers also in free agency. Like, I I got Ryan Strom out of free agency. I got Dylan Strom out of free agency. I mean, your definition of good is 
Wait, well, okay, well, let's talk about Kevin Hayes then. Do you think, like, obviously you're trying to trade him, so you don't think he's going to keep up his, what is it, eight points in six games? Like, Philly's been great. I, I've already said, I think on a recent patron cast, I'm super excited about Travis Konechny, like, finally being a superstar, and I think this could be his year. Yeah, right now he's being centered by Hayes until Couturier comes back, then I guess things get shaken up. But, like, Kevin Hayes, what? What's his best ever season? Like, he had a 64-point pace back in 2018. Aside so from like a 50-point guy, uh, like are you? He's saying, never he's never had the opportunity. So to do, do you better. actually okay? Forget about the trade negotiations. Just yeah. now, as the co-host of the podcast, like what yeah. is the ceiling for Kevin Hayes that you're seeing for this year? Like how high I, is he? A 70-point guy? I don't think so. I think for as long as you are like as long as Couturier's out, I think Kevin Hayes could be like a 65-point player with like a bender on on numbers. He could maybe go higher, but I think 65 points is probably the best case scenario. Philly's shooting at 5 on 5, 16% with Hayes on the ice. So that's why I'm not uh, really a believer in him being able to keep up well, obviously the pace he's on, but even, you know, 70, 80 points is is probably a stretch for Kevin Hayes. But let me get back to the reason that I asked you if you wanted to trade Bouchard, is because I think he's a really good buy low target. Like looking at who Bouchard is playing with, his most common forwards that he's on the ice with are McDavid, Dry Saddle, Evander Kane. That's exactly what you want to see. And yet, Elon, Evan Bouchard has been on the ice for exactly zero goals at five on five, despite playing with McDavid, Dry Saddle, and Evander Kane. The Oilers have zero goals on 75 shots. While Bouchard is on the ice, do you regress that to last year's numbers? Like give Edmonton an 8% uh, shooting percentage with Bouchard on the ice. Give him, yeah, like a 40 to 50% IPP, which is what he put up last season, which is a little high for points participation, but we'll grant it to him. That gives Edmonton six goals on 75 shots and Bouchard three points, which would put him on a 65-point pace without any power play production. So that's why I think he's a buy low. I think Edmonton will start scoring with Bouchard on the ice. And meanwhile, Bouchard is putting up three shots and three hits a game. So that's a that's a buy low right there. Everyone should okay. go out and target and see. And like Barry's doing, yeah, Barry's doing well in the top power play. Give up on Bouchard getting there. That's fine. I will still take my 45 to 50 point defenseman taking three shots and three hits a game. No problem. Okay, a few. I'm glad I passed the test. Didn't accept that trade offer. You would have just made fun of me. Uh, by the way, Connor McDavid is currently on pace to have 82 goals and 82 assists this season. So just want to put that out there for people that this is a possibility. Uh, okay. Uh, well, oh, also Joel saying uh, in the chat here, speaking of the Oilers, Evander Kane is about to explode. So, I mean, he's done it before. It definitely could happen. Yeah, he's like not scoring maybe at the rate people drafted him at. But I, yeah, he's playing with... McDavid's insane, right? He's playing with McDavid. That's all you got to say. Okay. Uh, let's go to another struggling defenseman, John Klingberg. He had two assists in the opening game of the season. No points in four games since. Anaheim played today, we discussed. They lost to Detroit. Let's see, did Klingberg do anything here? He did not. He also only played 17 minutes and 25 seconds. He had the lowest time on ice of all the D, except for Nathan Beaulieu. Yuck. John Klingberg stinks, Brian. You Remember you were like, decide this whole yeah. thing of Klingberg versus Eric Carlson? Yeah. Carlson's actually scored today. So that's good for the today. good for him. Yeah, great. Oh, are you no, going to? For sure. Okay, yeah. No, I didn't I'm know if you were being no. sarcastic voice or not. No, I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I'm not going to decide that it's over because, because before Carlson scored today, he had also done a whole lot of nothing this year. Like, both these guys are struggling. Anaheim with Klingberg is two for 16 on the power play. I think they're still figuring things out. But, you know, Klingberg's individual numbers, I can't just blame this on the team. They aren't pretty on his own either. And nor are Eric Carlson's. What, Brian. This is what? this is the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Are we going to slander? Carlson's now up to six points in eight games. 
bro. Yeah. That's a 62-point pace. <laughs> okay. Let's not talk about Carlson disappointing us. He's just fine. Don't don't drag, drag him through the mud just because uh, John Klingberg stinks. Okay, so coming into tonight's game, he had four points in seven games. Just to remind you, he's now scored three times on only 11 shots. So he's he's taken, like, this would be a career, he's on currently shooting, uh, taking fewer than one and a half shots a night, which is worse than he's ever done before. And that shows up in his underlying numbers. I'm not slandering the guy. You know, we still have to give good, we're not going to be so blindly alleged to Eric okay, Carlson. I, I just don't want to link him with a guy who's doing nothing when he's got so uh, six here, points in eight games. Here's what I have to say about Klingberg in Anaheim. I think there's I think there's there's an adjustment period. I also think Dallas Akins might not be around much longer if he can't figure out how to make things work, especially with an embarrassing loss tonight, five one to Columbus. Um, I would give Anaheim time to to work it out and to figure out what what and how to do with Klingberg and Klingberg how to do like. We have to grant players going to new teams uh, a bit of an adjustment phase before we give up on them. Of course, you run the risk of missing out on the next big thing if you hang on to that guy too long. So it goes in context with the rest of the decisions you have to make and players available. But that's that's my current take on Klingberg. I'm not giving up on him yet, but it sure does not. It doesn't look good. But again, neither does Eric Carlson, <laughs> honestly. And he hasn't he hasn't changed teams. I I, I hope they both succeed, Elon. Okay, just because Carlson has a high shooting percentage, you don't have to say it doesn't look good. The, the results are there. That's all that matters right now. Scoreboard. Okay, we're, Scoreboard. Not, we're not telling people to like go out and like trade for Carlson, but we don't have to no. just out of nowhere say he's you not just doing want, good. I, I, for, I don't, did you mention that I picked Klingberg two spots No, I don't care about that. You picked, I feel like you do care about it. I feel no, like I that's just care why about Eric is, Carlson. I'm a big fan. I, I don't want to be... I, I care more about Eric Carlson than <laughs> Okay. Oh, well, it doesn't seem like it. Okay, here, here's a trade then. Let me ask you. Let's say uh, I don't want to compare Carlson to Klingberg because that leads to us fighting. But uh, here, you know, Klingberg's doing nothing right now. Uh, out of nowhere, Sean Dursey is doing pretty decent, right? Like not blowing the roof off, but he's someone who came in last year when Dowdy was injured and opened up our eyes. And now at this point, uh, six games into the season, Jersey has four points in those six games. He just scored in the most recent game versus Washington, where Washington beat LA four to three. Uh, let's say you forget about trades. Like let's say just Jersey's out there at free agency and you have Klingberg and this is your bottom defenseman. Is that a swap you make no. or are you believing in Klingberg? No, I'm not trading a, a top power play quarterback for a guy who's only in line to get that power play time if Drew Doughty gets injured. I mean, I was I've been saying all preseason that I don't get why people are into Jersey. Of course now he's on a fifty five point pace and I have to think, well maybe did I get something wrong? He's also uh, shooting a, a decent amount. Two shots a game. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, these aren't bad numbers at all. He's doing better than I thought he would be. Um but he's participated on three quarters of the goals scored while he's on the ice. Ah, I see. So, yeah, like I, I, I don't see this as sustainable. I think a forty point pace would be most reasonable from him, and I would definitely prefer John Klingberg to Sean Dursey. Okay, that'll be a fun one to check in on in a little bit. I think I could see it going either way, to be honest. Okay, uh, let's do some forward. Oh, well, I guess I should mention it's Ron Anaheim. John Gibson had a good game finally. So one good game versus Boston, but the, did he play today? He did, and he stunk. Okay, John Gibson stinks. He's like a Grubauer at this point. Anaheim, Anaheim is in trouble. Yeah. Like I, this was supposed to be a year that I think they started turning things around, and that hasn't yeah. happened. I mean, yeah. yeah, they have now McTavish in. They'll probably want to get like Minchukov and like a couple of these other, you know, prospects that people are excited about into the lineup. Uh, Frank Vitrano 
has been pretty decent. Actually, Anaheim has a good streaming schedule next week, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So if you want to take a shot on a Ducks player, you know, don't don't add them now, but like Wednesday morning, check your lineup. This is like a stream scheme thing. Like Dave probably already said this exact thing. I haven't listened yet to today's stream scheme, but if you check check your lineups for if you have someone on your bench on Thursday and on Saturday, that's probably someone you want to drop for a Anaheim guy on Wednesday and you'll get three games instead of zero. So hot tip there. But let's go to uh, another cold streak. Elias Lind. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Just like definitely they, them in Seattle, two extremely disappointing teams this season. Yeah, if I'm looking Seattle, for a team yeah. to change coaches, those are the teams I'm looking to because I feel like the rosters should be capable of more. Um, they haven't been so far. Mm-hmm. It's a, like, you know, I, I don't want to blame the coach. Maybe it's not the coach. Like if Dave Haxall gets let go, he's been getting crap goaltending. Like, let's be honest. And so has Dallas Aikens. Uh, and of course, if nothing changes with a new coach, and it's like, well, um, two guys lost their jobs for no reason. I just I wish you could trial. Like, okay, coach, why don't you watch from the press box for a few games? We'll get another coach in there and see how he does or she does. That would be nice. Anyway, Anaheim and Seattle, I wish them much better okay. than they've done so far with the frustrating season. We're like, you know, deep into the show here, and I, I want to move on, but I guess I'm actually looking now at the box score for this game today, and Klingberg wasn't the top power play defenseman. Uh, Cam Fowler had four oh, minutes no. and a half of power play time, and Klingberg only two minutes and 27 seconds. Oh, that is news to me. I think I'm ready to move on. I don't know. Okay, give it one more week with Klingberg, according to Brian. I'd, I'd, sw- I'd swap for Dursey <laughs> if I could. But okay. Cam, I'm looking... Can yeah. I actually? Okay, speaking of Jersey, let's go to LA really quickly. I think Gabe Velarde still the top. He was still the top power play guy. He just played less on the power play. Yeah, they had four forwards, one D for the minority of their power play time today, and then it looks like they had like, come on, no Z grass on the top power play. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. Like, I guess they're shaking, they're trying things out. So uh, let's see what happens in the next for Wednesday, Friday, Ugh. Sunday. Okay, I want to talk about Jersey's team. Gabe Velarde had that insane start to the season: four goals and three assists in five games. Then Alex Iafalo got injured, and since it's only two games, I don't want to alarm anyone, but now Velarde's gone pointless in two games with only one shot in each of those games. This is kind of like my uh, Nick Robertson question. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't think we're ready to tell people to drop Velarde now, but I'm just curious. Like, at the end of the day, he's, on, he's been on the top power play in LA, which is good, but he's on the third line, and now he's pointless in a couple games. So how much longer do you hold someone like this before jumping to the next shiny object, assuming he doesn't, like, you know, go off in one of his games next week? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great start for Gabe Velarde, but he's fallen off. He's, for anyone who doesn't know, 23 years old, 11th overall in 2017, drafted by the Kings. Uh, Looked great in junior, but the knock on him was that he couldn't stay healthy even in junior, and that's continued into his pro career. But Velarde had four goals on 13 shots to start the year. Of course, it's not sustainable. Um, Also, something weird, actually, Elon, speaking of that Ducks power play, that that something caught your eye. (laughs) Something caught my eye for the Kings power play, which is that we've all sort of been talking about Velarde on the top power play. But I saw him with less than a 50% share of power play time for a three-game run. So I feel like he was must have been taking turns trading off with someone for a little while because Kopitar was above that mark more often than not. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing in the last game there was a stretch where it was Kopitar, Fiala, Kempe, and no, and Velarde. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's early in okay. the season, so we don't have like a lot right. of data to go off of. And, and right, and, the Kings, and like you know, w- yeah, and one minute of ice, you know, thirty seconds can change a whole lot. So I, I think where I'm at with Velarde is, you know, he I, I'd consider him a high end streamer right now. 
um, maybe like Nick Robertson-ish levels. And I might hold him a little longer because of the turns he gets on the top power play. But I would, you asked about shiny new toys, you know, I'd still be actively looking for shiny new toys to exchange Velarde for. I don't think he's gone cold because Ayafalo's gone. I think he's gone cold just because what he was doing at five on five was not sustainable. So he's right. going to have to start doing more on the power play to make up for it. Okay, uh, let's go to Calgary. Okay, so we've got a cold streak here in Elias Lindholm. Only two goals, no assists in five games. He's scoreless in his last two games. Uh, there, there was some weird line shakeups, and Lindholm was playing with like some weird guys, but that at least changed back for the 3-2 win over Carolina on Saturday. So he was back playing with Huberdeau and uh, Toffoli, who, by the way, Toffoli's doing great. Five points in five games. By the way, also, let's throw out the other center on the team that was getting drafted a lot later than Lindholm, Nazem Kadri. He's just fine. It's kind of weird, Brian. I feel like going into the season, we were like saying Huberdeau is going to be good as one of the people changing teams. But like, you know, Matthew Kachuk, maybe we have to be worried about him like going, getting worse line mates. And then like Nazem Kadri, we have to be worried about. But like it's Kachuk and Kadri are like the best of all the people switching teams so far. And Huberdeau, meanwhile, oh uh, yeah, not, not that special, right? Only four assists in the five games, a 66 point pace. This is a guy who had almost double the point pace last season. It's early, but I know here in the chat, uh, who was it? Joel? Someone was asking here, wanting us to talk about Huberdeau because he just traded him and he wants to feel good about it. So should we be worried about, yeah, yeah, like Huberdeau, I don't know, new contract, comfy situation. Is he not going to be able to meet those expectations that he set in Florida? And then also Elias Lindholm. Yeah, I guess that line. But somehow Toffoli still has a lot of points. No one's really looking good in Calgary right now is the simple way to put well, Kadri it. Kadri is. Kadri is. Yeah, sorry, Kadri. But on that top line, it's um, it's not great. Like Lindholm has seen... No goals while he's on the ice at five on five this year. None. Zero. Yeah. He has no points at five on five either. Like he hasn't, he hasn't been on, when I say he sees no goals, it's, it's not that he hasn't scored any. He hasn't been on the ice for a five on five goal yet. And Lindholm's, uh, Lindholm, while he's on the ice, his and his line mates expected goals rates, they're half what they were last year. Like they are unsustainably awful. Um, this is worse than you'd expect to see from like a third or fourth line. So again, I think in Calgary, unless, you know, you're one of these guys who's doing really well, like Rasmus Anderson and Nazem Kadri, Tabs Foley's doing all right. Um, this is still an adjustment period. I think Lindholm's figuring out his new role um, without Gaudreau and Gachuk. Like that's a huge, huge change. So I, I think I would just give this one time, assuming you can handle it. On the power play too, like Lindholm's also... Not doing great. The only power play points he has are the goals he's scored. Uh, The other three goals scored by Calgary on the power play with Lindholm on the ice he hasn't pointed on, which is also kind of unexpected. I expect him to be more in the mix. So uh, again, too early to write off a guy completely. And this is what we expected to happen. We expected to see guys struggle with new line mates and new arrangements and new coaches and new systems. And um, again, I'm not going to read too much into the sad numbers that I'm seeing basically across the board for Lindholm and Kachuk. I'm just going to hope that they are good enough to figure that with a good enough coach too, that they can figure this out. They might just need another week or two. Yeah. I just want to hone in specifically on the ice time for Hubert Doe. That's to me the biggest concern. Like we're looking at like 16, 15 minutes in each game, as opposed to, you know, in Florida where he was closing in on 20 minutes, like 19 and a half was his average time on ice last year. So definitely if Sutter doesn't like Hubert Doe to be a 20 minute guy, there's no way he's going to be able to be 118 point pace guy, even if he bounces back a little bit. So that would be definitely something I'd be concerned about. And it's not as much up to him. Well, it's up to him to earn those minutes, but maybe Calgary is a different team than Florida and maybe they're going to want to 
give a lot of minutes to the you know Nazim Kadri lines since they're doing so well. So it's a little bit of a scary situation. By the way, the defense, Rasmus Anderson, six points in five games. He gets better every year, this guy. So I wonder if he's going to pull it off this year and finally be like a real stud out there and like compete with like the, the Roman Yosis of the world for total points per game. That would be great. I like him. Three power play points already. And for anyone who's wondering, I, we've already been through this, who's going to quarterback the top power play? There was, well, everyone had reasons to think it wasn't going to be the guy, but this guy's proven he can do for it. And I didn't believe in Rasmus Anderson for like a good, until he started showing me I should. Now I'm a, like, I'm a lifelong believer so long as he keeps doing this. Okay, let's end with some hot streaks here. Let's start with some goalies, okay? Jake Ottinger, we talked about him this summer. I think I did a show with Ben, where Ben like said we wanted to play the hot, the odd or not game, and people had to vote whether they think he's going to be as good as the hype or if he's not going to meet it. And I was very much just going to, you know, whatever. I'm not doing that well this year so far, two weeks into fantasy. So let me brag about what I can. I was very much in the camp of I think Ottinger is for real and he's going to be awesome this year. I didn't draft him anywhere. Ugh, oh, well. I'm dumb, but he's been so good, Brian. Four games, four wins, only five goals against total in those four games, 959 save percentage. If we were redrafting right now, I could see a reason to put him first overall. Like Wedgwood is the back. He's going to get all the volume. He's awesome. He's great. Okay. So So, you mean, you mean tier one, not first overall? Tier one. Yeah. First overall for goalies is what I mean. Okay. Like a tier one goalie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, McDavid, I'll probably take still over Andre, depending on your league's scoring settings. But as far as goalies go, I just don't see a reason. Like, unless you could find some, what could you even find? I guess with goalies, it's hard with data. Like, you know, he hasn't led enough goals to be concerned about anything. He's just stopping every single thing that comes his way, pretty much. So, he's yeah, awesome. N- n- yeah, there's nothing to find. <laughs> there's nothing I could do to say, well, he's overperforming because, no. I'll, well, I could say if they were doing poorly at five on five and doing like, like otherworldly on the penalty kill, then I'd point that out and say, well, their five on five performance will be what prevails. But I'm looking at Ottinger. I'm looking at uh, the other goalies you're about to name Carter Hart, Jordan Binnington, Tristan Jari, all these goalies off to huge starts. They're all doing incredibly well at five on five. Of course, this is, you know, in 180 minutes or so of ice. So we're not going to, we're not going to acclaim them yet as tier one or two goalies just based on this performance so far. We have to remember their track records of being, well, everyone has a spotty one here actually, except Ottinger. So that's a reason to like him and maybe consider him a tier above the rest, but a nice comeback season for all these guys, Bennington, Jari and Hart. Yeah, I was also going to bring up Allmark, who we talked about. Yeah, I, I did mention it. But so, are there any of them that you're more? Mo- if you're going to be concerned about one of these goalies, the one that you think is going to fall off is it Ottinger or is it Carter Hart? Who again, like, uh, so he's four and oh, 949 save percentage. Tristan Jari, nine forty one save percentage, also four and oh. These are all undefeated goalies. Binnington, three and oh, nine forty save percentage. St. Louis just hasn't played a lot of games yet, so but he's been great in those three games. So yeah, at this point uh, of those ones we just mentioned, Ottinger, Hart, Jari, Binnington, Allmark. Who's the one you're like, or you can say none, of course. Like, is there someone in here that you think is the most likely to fall off? Or, or is this all silly speculation and there's no reason? I mean, it's pretty silly because I would just refer back to our tiers at the start of the season. And I would say Bennington and Jari we had in a, in a tier where we were demonstrating our belief in them. Carter Hart wasn't there. He was someone we were open to seeing more from. But uh, considering I think Philly has punched above their weight so far, and maybe Carter Hart has too, I would be... Uh, holding my breath like I, that, that's the one situation if I had to name one that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop it would be nice to see everyone here succeed though 
Okay, uh, then not undefeated, but another couple goalies. I think I mentioned at the start of part one, who have, might have stepped up to be number one goalies on their team. Like uh, Eric Comrie, doing really well for Buffalo in his three games. He's two and one with a nine thirty save percentage. Seems like he could be for real. I I would rush to the wire to Adam. I think if I needed a goalie, or even if I didn't, I think he can be someone who just holds a number one job and puts up good numbers. And then also Mackenzie Blackwood, who at one point we really liked, and then he became really terrible. But now this year he started the season three and one in his last three games. He's led two and then one and then one goals so he's i think he's earned the starter's job at this point obviously it's the kind of thing like we talked about with all mark and swayman like one bad game from blackwood and then a good win- game from vanacek and maybe things switch and also i will point out that blackwood's wins recently have come against anaheim the islanders and san jose so not the most offensive of teams we'll see how he does against like a more of a powerhouse but yeah Comrie and blackwood are two other goalies that i think people should definitely be looking out for if they're still available in free agency because i think they will be in a lot of leagues yeah, definitely keep an eye out. I mean, you know, Elon, Eric, Eric Comrie is someone I've been all over since preseason trying to say, like, this is a starting goalie. Craig Anderson, I don't think, is about to be able to split a workload. And Eric Comrie had reason. We had reason to believe that Eric Comrie could, like, had a, had a real shot at being a good NHL goalie. And so far, he's proven that he's up to the task. He's looked amazing. The only thing standing in his way, really and only kind of, is that Craig Anderson has looked even more amazing uh, on, like, raw numbers and compared to his five-on-five expected numbers. Uh, Craig Anderson has had two starts. He stopped 35 of 36 shots to open the year against Ottawa. Then he stopped 29 of 30 shots against Vancouver on Saturday. Now Craig Anderson boasts a 970 save percentage. Buffalo's just getting great goaltending i have my my guess is that Comrie gets two out of every three starts going forward that's 55 starts which means he is definitely worth having on your roster and Mackenzie blackwood let's see if he can keep doing what he's doing and if he can stay consistent uh, vitek vanacek had his first crack he failed and then failed again uh, blackwood is uh you know it's just going to be whichever guy's the last to fall is going to be the one you know like he'll be out and the next guy comes in it's going to be like samsonov vanacek potentially in washington last season between vanacek and blackwood but it's exciting to see someone do well in the crease in new jersey and give that team a chance to be the team that we hoped they would be yes. so uh, while blackwood's playing well i would absolutely go out and grab him and treat him as though he is the starter because he will be until he falters. Yeah, which he may he may not, but yeah, maybe he has a higher likelihood than some of these other guys. Uh, Rasmus Dalin, I wanted to bring him up. We were talking about Comrie doing well. Dalin, holy cow, five goals three assists for eight points in five games so far. He's at the top of the D leading scores, even ahead of Fox and Makar, who have each played f- one more game. Dalene only needed five games instead of six, like Fox and Makar, to get to the top of this list. So he has just been fantastic, scoring a goal every single game. I assume you're not going to say he's going to score a goal every game, but do you think we're... like? Was this it? Did we miss our chance now for anyone who wanted to get Dalene? Is it now like moving forward for the next like 10 years? You're going to have to draft him amongst like, the top D uh, you know, right there with Fox Fox and Makar and Hedman? Or do you think maybe it's like a little bit like, you know, he's great. We've always thought he was going to be good. He was drafted first overall for a reason. But like, this is wild. Like, I don't want to dive too deep. Obviously, we'll let some more time tell us what exactly is the real Rasmus Dahlin. But now that Buffalo is a decent-ish team, uh, Dahlin looks like he's really going to flourish. 
yeah, he was sort of in like that third-ish tier of defensemen this year. He was going in like a couple drafts, uh, basically at the same time as Darnell Nurse. And after Thomas Shabbat and Brent Burns and Dougie Hamilton, Zach Wierenski, and Moritz Sider. I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to figure out within all that. Um, but Darlene's start has definitely put him on everyone's radar as being this legit fantasy threat that we always hoped he would evolve into, as you mentioned, Elon, five goals in five games on 18 shots. So shooting 28%. But two of those have come on the power play, which you know I, I'm okay with a bloated shooting percentage if you're scoring on the power play. Um, Darlene has five power play shots. He's shooting basically between the circles uh, with the main advantage, and it seems to be working. Uh, he's been a participant in most goals scored while he's on the ice, which has helped him uh, accrue the points that Darlene has accrued. Um, this is all to say Darlene's variance is high, and of course it is for a 131-point pace, but if we're putting a realistic benchmark, we're looking for Darlene to improve on the 54-point pace he had last season, and I love all the hope he's given us that he can early on. I'm on Team Darlene beating last season. I know that's a, oh. it seems like a silly thing to say, uh, but I think... I think just to contextualize what we're expecting from him, I think 60 points would be a, a nice year from him. And he's on, obviously, a really great track to do it. Okay, so let's say you have Darlene. You're taking a look at like a Victor Hedman who only has a paltry five points in six games versus Darlene's eight. Are you going to try to trade Darlene for Hedman if you can? Try to trade up here? No, unless it's oh. in a keeper. Uh, no, not oh, a sorry. Keeper. Yeah, sorry. I would trade Darlene for Hedman. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I misunderstood your question. Yeah, in a keeper league, maybe this is the moment where you trade Hedman for Darlene and like make that swap. It might still be a year, two years too early, but yeah, that's where I'm at on Darlene. I like I like what I'm seeing. It's good to have our our hopes confirmed that this guy does have big offensive upside, and we'll we'll keep watching over the next few few weeks to see where things sort of level and balance out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, Hedman uh, scored 20 goals last year, and this year he has 19 shots and no goals yet. So I, I'd imagine he, you give him a couple goals, and then he'd be in the same conversation as Dullian. So that's why I brought him up here. Uh, okay, then back up with uh, Blackwood's team. Let's just mention really quickly, Dawson Mercer has gotten to the top line and top power play recently. I guess unless you want to call the Heesheer Brat Palat. I don't know if it's like a top line or just two top lines, but that's been one line. The other one, though, Hughes, Sharon Govich, and Dawson Mercer. And then Dawson Mercer also playing with Hughes, Brat, Heesheer, and Dougie Hamilton on PP1 and Mercer's like available in a bunch of leagues he scored in his last game so I think going to next week where New Jersey has a good schedule I wanted to definitely mention him as someone that you might want to try out for the short term and see if he's a hold and another guy on line one power play one that you may not be aware of is Sean Monahan over in Montreal who's been recently taking turns going with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield and then also on the top power play with Suzuki Caulfield in the last game Jonathan Drouin oh good for him Okay, and Chris Weidman. So uh, Sean Monahan used to be a star, right? We used to love him. Now he's in Montreal, and he's got four points in six games and getting great deployment. So if he's out there in your free agency, he's also another person that I want to make sure people are aware of that they, they might want to go after and get something out of him. I think our buddy Davey B mentioned uh, Sean Monahan or, D- or Dawson Mercer, maybe both on the stream scheme. Definitely Dawson Mercer. Uh, that. It- preceded this episode in your feed so make sure to check that out for more tips but yeah really nice start for uh shawnee money over there having really this is the greatest success he's had since at least 2019-20 and we like our, our, listen I, I don't think he's the superstar that it seemed like he would be once upon a time but there could be something there 
I still don't know how much that something can be in Montreal, but hey, line one, power play one, playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, that is a good place to produce. So I would love to see him continue to keep it up. And Ilana like Dawson Mercer as another target over in New Jersey. I really don't have anything to add. That's other fair. Than what just, you said, like his shot counts are like, I guess he, he's like quiet. But if you're looking for a streamer, I don't know, Ilana, who would you prefer between Mercer and Palat? Let's say they're both available in your league. You're looking to add a couple GP for your next week. Who would you take? Yeah, give me Mercer, I think. Uh, I'll take the guy on power play one. Yeah, that makes sense. They both have like not great numbers on not great shot counts, but Mercer's Mercer's in better shape than Palat, both uh, on the counting numbers and in the line chart. Mm-hmm. By the way, San Jose is up 3 nothing against Philadelphia. Two minutes to go. Still no points for Timo Meyer. Oh, no. But he does have five shots. So it's going to happen go. soon. So, so long as he keeps taking five shots on net, it's going to be okay. Yeah. James Reimer, by the way, pitching a shutout. I hope I didn't j- jinx it right now. But he's someone that you might want to look at uh, because it seems like he's winning the job from Kapokakunin. But Brian, we could go on forever. I think here's a good spot to end the show. I was going to bring up a bunch of Arizona guys. I'll throw it out there. Okay. Nick Ritchie, Travis Boyd, uh, Clayton Keller. Uh, that's been... Oh, no. I don't think that's been the line. It's been Kraus. Boyd. No, Rich. Okay, let me just even get this. I, I thought I wrote this down, but I didn't. But there's a top line that's actually producing over in Arizona, just like last year, where it'd be like, how, who, how are these people getting? Yeah, Kraus, Keller, and Travis Boyd all have either four or three points in five games. And then Nick Ritchie has been on the top power play with Keller, Boyd, and then two defensemen, Shane Glossespair, and a guy named JJ Moser, who has picked up four points in five games. So, you know, this is, Arizona team is a team where uh, you wouldn't expect there to be goals. But last year, remember, there was that weird stretch where they were scoring like seven goals a game for like a week or two. I don't think they're going to do that. But don't just like ignore people in free agency because they're on Arizona. I think all the names I just mentioned, Gosses Beher, Richie, Boyd, Moser, then of course Keller, Lawson Kraus, good streams at least. I don't know if you, uh, do you see any of these guys beyond like Keller and Gosses Beher as like season long holds? No. Well, they're just streamers. I, I, yeah, like totally truly just streamers like the coyotes i was looking at their numbers and saying, how are these guys getting points i don't know arizona is easily easily the worst team in the nhl if you're going by share of expected goals at five on five or straight up just how many expected goals they're 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 accruing with the quality of their chances at five on five like worse than bottom tier numbers this is not an nhl team right now like i can't I can't get into any of these other guys you mentioned outside of Gosses, Bear, and Keller. This is a this is an ugly team, a really <laughs> ugly team in Arizona. But that's what makes it fun to be able to see some guys succeeding. I wish them all the best, but I am not <laughs> sacrificing a whole lot to get them on my fantasy team. Yeah, if they have a good schedule. I'll take Lawson Kraus. I don't know. Playing with Keller on the top line. Anyway, Brian, this has been fun. We've gone through a lot of players. Hopefully people uh, enjoyed uh, what we were able to put together today. My first show of the season, breaking down actual NHL action. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, let us know. Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. You know what? If you didn't like the show, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Give us your feedback. But if you liked it, we would also love a review on your podcast platform. But if you didn't like it, we don't want a review. So that's the little difference there between Twitter and your Apple Podcasts or whatever. But yeah, also subscribe to the shows. Like we've got so much coming in our feed, all to help you be successful in fantasy. We already mentioned Stream Scheme, Short Shifts, our shows. You just could subscribe. You know how podcasts work, right? You like subscribe to a podcast and then it just downloads the episodes for you automatically. And then you don't have to worry about, oh, is there an episode today? Just, you know, open your phone. It'll tell you. Yeah, here you go. Oh, next, Keeping Carlson. Sweet. Okay. So we would really appreciate that if you give us a subscribe, all that stuff. 
stuff. Uh, if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon, keepingcarlson.com slash Patreon. You can join our awesome community on Discord where we're giving each other fantasy advice. We do a show every month for the patrons, a bonus show called The Patron Cast. We just did one a couple days ago, which I think was really fun. And you could go listen to it right now and see all the interesting conversations we had about the questions the patrons had about all the players we maybe didn't talk about on this episode. But with that, Brian, let's get out of here. Let's cue that outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, who deserve everyone's thanks for keeping future episodes of the show coming. We've got Aaron Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, and of course, Patty. Thank you to our Cupful coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, and our team of co-commissions. If you're interested, getting in on the action, kkupfl.com. Also, patreon.com slash keepingcarlson. There you go, Elon, if you want to join our Discord server and be closer to us. Have more of us through your week. Uh, thank you to you, Elon, and Shams Benamore, one of our moderators on our Discord server, for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling on Game Day Lines uh, at gamedaytweets.com. Just go there. That'll hook you up with all the Twitter accounts. Also, thank you to our amazing team of mods, uh, Shams, Andrea, Jeremy, Kevin, for keeping our server rolling real smooth through early days of the season. Like, this is a safe space to engage and talk hockey. Um, If that sounds interesting, you come. And it's thanks to these wonderful people who help volunteer their time to make it so. So thank you. Follow Ben and Lewis at ShortShiftsKK. Follow Dave Bettnett at NHL Stream Scheme. Logo art by BrandonWeeb.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! Great job, Brian. This has been so much fun. Looking forward to talking to you again for another mega episode next Sunday. But in the meantime, you know, everyone, like I said, we'll have short shifts coming up throughout the week. Uh, and what should people do while they're waiting for the next Keeping Carlson episode to drop? Please, in your actions around hockey engagement and discourse, please keep doing what you can do to make sure that fantasy hockey can really be for everyone.